People love to discuss and debate about the greatest of all time in all kinds of different categories. In this series called The Greatest, we're talking about Jesus as the greatest man to walk the earth, his greatest commandment to us, and what living your life that way looks like. We hope you enjoy this series from Apex students called The Greatest, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus. I'm going to pray us, pray us in. Is that okay? Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for what we can learn from it, um, for how you teach us to be more like you and teach us about your love and about your love for us, for other people. Really, really amazing. We thank you for who you are, what you're about to do in this room. In your name we pray. Amen. Do you guys have people in your life that you argue and debate with all the time? Do you have those people? Now, I don't mean like your parents where you're like arguing like that. I mean people in your life that you're arguing with about like the greatest bands of all time or like your, the best movie that you've ever seen. Do you have those people in your life? I know like for me, uh, I feel like a person being able to maintain like an argument or like a, a gentleman's debate with me is a prerequisite for friendship because I, when I think about who I have these conversations with, it's all of my friends. Everyone that I hold dear to me, uh, I argue with. And that's really, really, that's a fun thing. Um, and, and it's interesting because I have all of these really passionate conversations with my friends. Um, we, you know, we occasionally talk about politics, religion, or social issues. But with the same passion we fight about those things, we talk about the greatest of all time, anything. So we would talk about, you know, you may call these uh, uh, the goat debate or the goat. <laughs> Just to be clear, a goat means the greatest of all time, as in Tom Brady is the goat, not a goat. Very important distinction there. Um, so like topics for a, a good de goat, they come in many flavors. Yeah, I'll be using that for the remainder of the service, so... Stop laughing at it. Um, <laughs> just kidding. The greatest video game of all time. The, uh, the greatest football team of all time. It's real easy, right? There's a game. You just count how many times they won that one Super Bowl, and you figure it out, right? You figure out who is the best of all time. The greatest band of all time. The greatest movie. The greatest book of all time. Now, I have these conversations with my friends a lot, and, and they start out lighthearted, but like I said, they usually escalate to the same passion that I would be having a conversation about politics, or social issues. Why? I have no idea. Maybe it's because my friends and I just love to disagree. Maybe it's the thrill of presenting a good argument, even when it's like you know you can't win, right? <laughs> even like when you know that you're, you're like at a severe disadvantage and you're just still able to present an argument. Man, that is, there's a thrill in that. Um, there's one thing I do know about a good de goat, and that's that both parties are just 100% convinced that they're right right? Both parties need to be so, so sure that they are correct. Now, I'll admit that usually when I'm having, you know, a gentleman's debate with a person, um, they're usually not like a total idiot, right? So I can concede that whatever they're saying is, you know, maybe the second or third greatest of all time, right? Like I'd be willing to say, sure, LeBron James is maybe the second or third greatest basketball player of all time. I don't know much about basketball, but I know Michael Jordan's the best. Um, I might say Fortnite is in the top 10 best video games or most influential video games of all time, but it might not be the very best video game of all time. You know, there's a reason that we're not arguing about the sixth best movie of all time. <laughs> right? Like there's, that, that conversation isn't quite as interesting. Nobody cares who comes after first place. 
If you're second, you're the first loser. Have you ever heard that? Because <laughs> that's a sad place to be. Um, but really, though, we don't talk about that because we want to know who's in first, and that's it. People want to know what is the greatest. It might sound obvious, but isn't it true that the things we think are the greatest are the things we like the most? The things we think are the best, the things we are rooting for, the things we're debating for are the things we are for. We are for those things. And that's why no one says, I'm for dentist appointments or research papers. Uh -uh, nobody does that. Um, you and I are for the things that are greatest to us. So if, uh, if soccer is the goat for you, you are for soccer. If music is the greatest of all time thing, then you are for music. If video games are the goat to you, then you are for night. If, uh, if dating more than one girl at a time is just the best thing ever, you should be alone forever. <laughs> Being four and the greatest go hand in hand here. And, and similarly, similarly uh, none of us um, are four things or four people who are against us, right? We are not for something, or even if we feel like they're against us, we put up a wall. We are not for those things. The people that are for you, the people that are on your team, are the people that you're for. If you feel like someone's against you, it's not going to be your goat. It's not going to even make your top 10. Now, think about this idea when it comes to God. Think about this. I think we've all had times in our lives, I certainly have, where I've wondered, is God for me or against me? Is God for me or against me? Sure, if I'm put on spot in church every single time my whole life, I'd say, yes, God is for me. But if I'm alone and I'm being really, really honest and somebody asks me that question, I might admit, even though I know how I should answer that question, I might feel like God is against me. And I think other people in this room may have asked that question. And if you're really honest, you may have experienced a time in your life where it didn't really feel like God was for you. When we think about what God is for and what God is against, we have a lot of input in that conversation, right? Because we have Christian friends that have these conversations. Uh, we hear a lot about it in church. Uh, friends in the hallways. People write blogs about it. There's, you know, Instagram. All of these different uh, inputs into this conversation about what God is for and what God is against. And things like that make me wonder if God is more of a for God or if he is against God. If God is more of a for kind of God or if he's an against kind of God. And a lot of Christians spend a lot of time talking about what God is against, right? Have you experienced that? Where a lot of people talk about that. And I'd like to ask, isn't it possible that we feel like God is against us sometimes because of the amount of time we hear people talking about what God is against? And perhaps more importantly, isn't it also possible that people that don't know God feel like God is against them because of all the time we spend talking about what God is against or what they're doing that God is against? Let's bring it full circle with this question. Do you feel like the greatest thing to God is that we don't do the things he's against? Do you honestly feel like the greatest thing to God is that we are not doing the things that he disapproves of? A lot of people spend most of their lives or all of their lives believing that God is against them. Now, there's an interaction uh, with, that Jesus had in history that we're going to look at tonight, and it might clear some things up for those people, and uh, hopefully it will help you decide if God is a for kind of God or an against kind of God. Uh, one of the many reasons that Jesus, that Jesus came to earth, that God sent Jesus, was so that we could get a glimpse of what God is like here on earth. 
Jesus is literally God in the form of man, physically walking among his people. And so that gives us as humans a physical picture of what God is about. And that means if you want answers about who God is, look at Jesus. That could be probably in every sermon I've ever preached. If you want answers about who God is, look at the way Jesus lived. Jesus shows us what God is like. But uh, Jesus walked the, the earth about 2,000 years ago, and not everyone that uh, encountered Jesus accepted him. Not everyone was really on board. As you probably know, they eventually chose to have him killed. Uh, in fact, when given the choice between killing Jesus and an actual murderer, they let the murderer free in their town so that they could have Jesus dead. They really, really wanted Jesus to die. And uh, even though Jesus helped people, he blessed, encouraged, and even noticed thousands of people that would have never been blessed, encouraged, or noticed. There were a ton of people against God. There were a ton of people who didn't like Jesus. But why is that? I'm so glad you asked. Um, first, a really good reason is that Jesus claimed to be God. Now, I want you to imagine you're at lunch and uh, you're sitting next to your friend and they jump on the table and say, I am the savior of the world. <laughs> now, how you might feel in that situation is how people felt about Jesus. So I think we might be a little quick uh, to judge the people that judge Jesus because they were going through some things. They didn't, you know, necessarily have, they had to turn their a blind eye to a lot of things he did, but that's how those people felt. So Jesus claimed to be God, and that really made some people not like him. The second thing is that Jesus was really different, and uh, he was different in some obvious ways, like, I don't know, he was perfect, <laughs> never made a mistake. Um, so he was also different in the way he viewed God, his father, in the way he viewed the church or, and, and said how the church should be run and how religious leaders should run things. Um, he called himself a Jewish teacher, but what he was teaching was pretty different from what the other Jewish teachers at the time were teaching. Religious people of Jesus' time followed the law. That's what they, we call it the Old Testament. They called it the law because it's what they had, the law and the prophets. And uh, this is not so much speed limits or you know, building permits or pirating movies, but this was a religious law that guided how they did church, how they viewed God, how they conducted themselves in light of who God was. So um, they thought that they, they were convinced that their law, the way they were interpreting the law was from God. The way they were doing it was the only way to do it. They had it down. And Jesus came, and he kind of challenged the way they were interpreting some of the things that they had in the law. And uh, when Jesus did that, it, it really ruffled some feathers <laughs> and, you know, ultimately led to him being on the cross. But him challenging people, he was so different in the way he um, viewed the church and viewed God that it really caused these religious leaders of the time to uh, look down on him. Jesus was so, so different, and it was difficult for people to put Jesus in a category, right? Because he didn't quite fit into anything they had. They couldn't tell if he was a great teacher of the law or if he was a crazy man trying to destroy the law. They couldn't tell what he was doing. So because of all that, religious leaders of the time um, would often try to test Jesus. They would try to catch him breaking the law or catch him teaching something that was against the law. Uh, and sometimes when they got real bold, they would ask him a question and try to trap him into saying something that was against the law. One of these people, that's um, going to be what we're looking at tonight in one of these situations. So uh, one of these people that knew the, God, the law very, very well, he asks Jesus a question to test his understanding of and commitment to the law that they had. There's a man named Matthew who recorded uh, some of the events of Jesus' life. And in his recording of Jesus' life, this event is recorded in Matthew 22:36, And it starts out like this. 
this man who, who knows the law, he says, teacher, talking to Jesus, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he called him teacher there. And I wonder if there's a little venom in that word, you know, because he, he was saying rabbi. He was saying teacher. Um, and, and I wonder if he really thought that Jesus was that or if he's using it a little sarcastic. But just imagine this is the kind of things that were going through these people's mind. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? Of the law, because the law was a compilation of a ton of laws, like 613. I've heard a couple different numbers, but like 613 specific laws that they were following. Some were positives, do this. Some were negatives, don't do this. Uh, some you've heard of the greatest or the uh, the Ten Commandments. You've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. So this guy is asking Jesus, out of all of these commandments, what's the goat? Which is number one? of all of these commandments. Now, this was an extremely strange question. Um, it's like we were talking about before. It would be like us talking about who the greatest rapper of all time was. It's not exactly like that, but sort of like that. Um, so this guy was asking Jesus, in the realm of religious law, what's number one? Matthew 22, 37 through 38. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now, this was an acceptable answer. This is all right. Nobody's going to question the idea um, that the greatest commandment of all time is to love God. The, the Jewish people needed to like, learn prayers that they would say every single day, so they memorized a lot of scripture. And part of that was to love the Lord, was to love God. So nobody was arguing with this, but Jesus wasn't done. He goes on to say, and the second is like it. Now, wait a minute. I asked you for one. And uh, when we're talking about the goat, there cannot be two winners, right? There cannot be two goats. There's only one Stanley Cup champion every year. There's only one winner of the voice every season. There's always a number one. Guys, calm down. Let him finish. All right. He goes on to say, love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, the first answer was fine, to love God, but the second one had some big implications that the religious leaders were not really comfortable with. So uh, we'll get to that later in the series. But what I want you to see first is that uh, it looks like two answers. He kind of said one and two. But I suggest maybe, imagine if this was only one answer, but he gave you two applications. Because I, I come in here every single week and I give you one bottom line, typically with three points. <laughs> so I'm saying one thing. What if Jesus' one command, the one big commandment, was to love, was to be for? Maybe he gave one commandment with two applications in order of, a per of, of importance. Love the Lord and love your neighbor. Love. This is what I'd like to point out in Jesus' answer, this part right here. According to Jesus, the most important thing about us is what we're for not what we're against. The most important thing about us is what we're for, not what we're against. If you ever get a chance to study the bigger picture of Jesus' life, um, recorded in the Gospels by na men named Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I hope you do get a chance to kind of look at the bigger picture there, you're going to see tons of interactions that Jesus had with other people. Although the subject we're talking about tonight is probably the most important. This is a really central idea. Um, but when you look at all of Jesus' responses to the many questions he was asked, you'll notice something, and that's that Jesus rarely responded to with what he was against. He almost never talked about what he was against. And it's there. He, there I'm not going to pretend like our God isn't against some things, but my point is that Jesus almost always answered questions with what he was for. 
People wanted to know what Jesus thought about certain people, people who were a different ethnicity or a different gender. They wanted to know what Jesus' thoughts were on old people or young, very young people. What about the people who have a lot of power and the people who had no power at all? What, do people, what about people who come from a different religious background or no religious background? How did Jesus treat these people? People that were making different behavioral choices, people that were making bad behavioral choices. What about people who had nothing good to offer to anyone? If you look at how Jesus treated those people and how he answered those questions, most of Jesus' controversy revolved around people he loved, people he was for. Because when you love someone, you are for them. It doesn't mean you are for all the choices that they make, but it means you are for them. It means you want the best for them. It means you're for them when you love people. People lost their minds when Jesus ate with sinners, when he embraced outcasts, when he loved people who were rejected by the religious leaders. Jesus' message of four changed the world. Jesus' message of four changed the world. And when you see what Jesus was for and you hear what Jesus said is the goat of all the commandments, you're pointed toward one big truth. The one thing I want to tell you tonight, if you remember one thing, it's this. God is for you. Real simple, four words. God is for you. God is not against you. And to him, the greatest thing about us is what we're for, not what we're against, what we're for in his name. You may have noticed the shirt that I'm wearing tonight. <laughs> um, this is a campaign we launched this past summer uh, that we believe that people talk way too much about what God's for and not enough about what he's, oh uh, wait, talk too much about what he's against and not enough about what our God is for. And we believe that God is for our community, that he's for Nipah. So that you may see that on some clothes and on some events around here. And that's, it all stems from this idea because God is for us. And he said that the most important thing about us is what we're for in his name. Whether you are someone who has always been convinced that God is against you, or if you're someone who understands that God is for you more than anyone else could ever be. There are two things I want us to do in response tonight to the greatest message that Jesus gave, the goat of all the commandments. First is this. Let's memorize this verse. And that sounds hard, but I'm telling you, it's not that bad. So uh, I have not memorized this verse in its entirety before, but I'm going to be doing that with you, and we will probably come back to it throughout the series. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's Matthew 22, 37 through 39. And remember, I'm asking you to memorize it. I'm not necessarily asking you to believe it. I hope that you do. But first of all, I want you to memorize it. You've probably heard me say it before. Just try it on. Just memorize it with us. And I believe our God will show you that it's true. The second thing, I'd like you um, to pay attention to who you are for and against. Pay attention to who you're for and against. Uh, I don't necessarily want you to write it down or you don't need to say it out loud, but when you hear about like a person at school that's done something bad, or you see a group of people that, and what they represent and it differs from you, or just anyone who thinks or believes differently than you do, stop and ask yourself, did I take a stand against them in my mind? This is very uh, 
challenging for me because even though I, I think that I do all right in some of this stuff, when people don't, I take a stand against those people. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> because I, I'm really good at taking a stand against people who take a stand against other people, and that's not cool either. So whenever you have this a differing opinion with someone, when you believe something different, when someone challenges you, ask yourself, did I just take a stand against them in my mind? Just ask yourself. Become aware of it. Ask yourself questions. Give yourself honest answers. All I'm asking you right now is to pay attention to that stuff. In a few minutes here, we're going to head into our small groups. And uh, before we do that, if you've been convinced that God is against you, I want you to ask yourself this question. How could, uh, how could it change my approach to God if I truly believed that he is first and foremost for me? That's a kind of a long question. I'll say it again. How would it change my approach to God if I truly believe that he is first and foremost for me? And if you found yourself as a Christian, like a follower of Jesus, um, wondering who you should be against, I want you to imagine, even just for a second, what it would be like to be for that person, to be for people that think differently than you. When Jesus spoke of the greatest commandment, he talked about love. And I don't think that was an accident. He talked about love. He talked about what he was for. And what we learned, put simply, is that God is for us. God is for us. He loves us. He created us. And we are priceless to him. He is for us. And when in that question, Jesus could have responded with a big list of do's and don'ts. But he didn't. He brought a message of for to a group of people who are obsessed with against. God is for you, and he is for people that think differently than you. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your word, for what we can learn about the way we need to live our lives in light of who you are. God, I, uh, help us to memorize this scripture. Help us to pay attention to what we're doing in our minds, how we're treating people in our minds. And uh, help our, guide our conversation tonight. Help us to dive deep into this idea that you are for us and you are for people that we disagree with. I thank you and uh, we worship you. In your precious name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Students podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little more like Jesus.